2: What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me!
3: Focus Features presents Back to Black.
2: I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles.
3: Experience the music and her story.
2: Know this. I ain't no spy skill.
3: Like never before.
2: That's my daughter. That's my Amy. <laughs>
3: big screen. I want
2: to be remembered for just being
3: me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson, rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school, you're coming back with Purdue Global.
1: Hello and welcome to Saver production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm
0: Lauren Vogelbaum, and today we have an episode for you about Mole.
1: Yes, yes, and quite a fun one. Uh, and there was a specific reason you chose this, correct? Uh
0: well, kinda sorta. Um, I mean, I uh, it, it is as we are recording. Requ- this um, Cinco de Mayo, um, which is a Mexican military cultural anniversary, um, a defeat of Napoleon III in 1862 in Puebla, um, which is a region that lays claim to lots of mole history. And mole is a celebratory dish for the holiday there, um, though September, September 16th, is uh, when the Mexican Independence Day falls, unrelated. Uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. I I also I was just like looking for a dish to talk about and I was mm-hmm. like we haven't done something from the Americas recently and I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And mole sounds really good. <laughs> yeah. So, why don't I make myself more hungry by looking at dozens and dozens and dozens of pictures of mole?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's as good a reason to choose a topic as any other. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And actually, this one kind of surprised me in an opposite way. I'm often surprised, Mm -hmm. um, which I'll explain. Okay. I I love Malay. Uh, It always reminds me of Dragon Con. I've had a bunch of different types of Malay. Uh, There's a restaurant in particular that has it uh, near that Dragon Con area, as I call it. Um, (laughs) You mean downtown Atlanta? (laughs) Dragon Con area. Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes. And it's really good. But also, uh, where I grew up, there was plenty of of Mexican restaurants and they had Malay. Um, So, this was a a rare experience for me where I was surprised that people didn't know much about it because I'm almost always in that position. Um, I'm almost always the one that's like, okay, what are you talking about with kumquats? (laughs) This one I was like, wait, you don't know about like all these different types of Malay? (laughs) 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 Whoa, (laughs) it's very rare that that happens to me. Huh.
0: All right. Cool. Yeah. I, um, I I guess I was on that other end of it this time. Like I had a much narrower definition of it in my head than it actually encompasses. So um, so right. It was fun reading about it. Um, and yeah. also, uh, let's see, Gastropod has a really great episode about it from 2019. Y'all go listen to that. Always support them. Uh, good human mm-hmm. people they seem like. Y'all reach out. I don't know. Let's hang out. Yes. That'd be awesome. Yeah.
1: (laughs) A savor gastropod hangout. I'd love it. Goodness. Um, Well, there is quite a lot to explore in the world of mole, so I guess we should get into it. I
0: guess we should. Does this bring us to our question? It does.
1: Mole. What is it?
0: Well, uh, mole is a category of sauces that incorporates chili peppers with a widely varying mix of spices, herbs, nuts, seeds, starches, fruit, and aromatic vegetables uh, toasted or roasted and ground and then thinned out and then cooked down to a uh, thick, velvety, blended soup kind of consistency. Um, Mm. moles can be used in cooking or serving any savory kind of food or alone as a dip. They can be mild to spicy, sweet to bitter, bright to earthy or anywhere in between, but always come back to this sort of richness and depth and like individual balance, all, all wrapped in a silkiness, just a really spoonable sauce, like a, like a hug like someone really cares, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 That's what a lot of us need right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, also, I love the balance aspects. That feels very, like, peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. hmm Yeah. It, it's
0: one of those dishes that Uh, Where it comes from in what's now Mexico, every region, every town, every restaurant and household has its own version of this dish. Steeped in local history and preferences, the exact recipes often guarded secrets.
1: I love that so much. Yes. Yes.
0: Oh, potential ingredients, Um, all kinds of different chiles, uh, fresh or dried or maybe prepared in like an adobo sauce, Uh, fruity or spicy or smoky ones, Um, nuts and seeds like pumpkin seeds, almonds, peanuts, or sesame to add some creaminess, tomatoes or tomatillos for added body and a touch of tartness, dried fruit like raisins or plums, Uh, fresh fruit like plantains, apple or pineapple for sweetness, Aromatic vegetables like onion and garlic for that pike and uh, Herbs like cilantro or oregano or thyme. Thickeners like wheat bread or corn or flour tortillas or masa or even cookies. Spices like black pepper, clove, anise, cinnamon, Cuban coriander, cocoa. And then once you've got that toasted and or roasted in oil or lard and you've got it blended up, some combination of uh, broth, oil, vinegar, and water to constitute the resulting paste. And then you cook it down to the right flavor and consistency. Um, but that's those are like just the basics. <laughs> yeah. You, you can add anything and, and people do.
1: They uh, absolutely do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, The version most common in the United States, and I'd say outside of Mexico in general, probably right in, um, is mole poblano, which is a variety from northern Mexico that includes dried poblano chilies um, called ancho once they're dried out like that, lots of spices, and cocoa or chocolate that will turn the sauce this deep reddish brown. But there are dozens, dozens of types of mole, most of which do not incorporate chocolate. Like, say, mole verde, which is a bright and spicy and fresher kind of mole. Uh, Heavy on the nuts and the tomatillos, light on the spices uh, with fresh green chiles like jalapenos in the mix. Or mole rojo with a mix of uh, dried ripe chiles plus sweet plantains for this kind of decadent fruity mole. Though I've seen rojo recipes with cocoa too. It's up to whoever's making it. I wouldn't dare tell you what to do what is or is not correct
1: oh no 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 no, no. no. That is not the safer way <laughs> no
0: nope <Mm-mm>. nope <laughs> hands up uh in defensive position that is up to y'all uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's between you and your mole yeah, th- <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah and right like i said like the above list is sort of on the more traditional potential ingredient side um i've seen recipes with hazelnuts figs cherries tamarind oats i've read that some don't contain chilies
1: ooh ooh okay yeah my brain is not it's confused it's processing <laughs> but i would love to know more listeners <laughs>
0: yeah yeah well, i mean i mean mo- mole as a word really kind of just means sauce like mm-hmm. guacamole is Right. An avocado sauce. So, anyway. Avocado sauce. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To make a mole, you can either buy and prepare all of the ingredients yourself from scratch, or you can buy a mole paste that just needs to be reconstituted with broth or water and then cooked down. There are totally prepared jarred varieties, too. Making it from scratch is labor-intensive because... Right. It usually contains certainly 10 plus, maybe 20 plus ingredients, depending on the type that you're making, many of which need to be cooked separately prior to pureeing and incorporating into the sauce. It's therefore traditionally often like a holiday celebration kind of thing. Right. And yeah, you can serve it any way you like. Um, It's often served over poultry like roast chicken or turkey or roast pork or vegetables or enchiladas or just over rice or with fresh tortillas for dipping like it's a little bit unfair to call mole a sauce because mm-hmm. it is the main attraction attraction of whatever dish it's served with
1: right and that was my experience for sure when i saw mole on a menu i was like oh that's a special yeah it's a special item yeah <laughs>
0: Like you're not coming there for the turkey or pork or whatever it is. You're coming there for the mole.
1: Exactly. Well, what about the nutrition?
0: Perhaps, obviously, it depends on what you put in there. But mole tends to be nutrient-dense with fats and proteins and starches and micronutrients, too. You know, like watch your portion size and be aware that anything made with lard is kind of a treat. But it will help fill you up and keep you going, you know? I'm... Eat, eat a fresh vegetable at some point, but yeah. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> at some point. I don't know. Just drink a lot of mole and get back to me. So let me know how you feel.
2: <laughs> that sounds
0: amazing to me.
1: <laughs> that actually does sound really good. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, well, uh, we do have some numbers for you.
0: We do. Uh, Roberto Munoz's Encyclopedia of Mexican Gastronomy lists seventy-one. Or more types of mole. Ooh. Like 71 wow. basics with varieties therein. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like, right. Like the Oaxaca area alone has a traditional seven types with a whole bunch of
1: subcategories. I love it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I this is a, a listener request I'm asking because I read about something called the White Shirt Challenge, which a Apparently it's a challenge where you wear a white shirt and eat mole and try not to get it on your white shirt. (laughs) And it's so popular there was a commercial about it from what I read. Uh, So I've got to know more about that. I really... Yeah. (laughs) This is very important information. Yeah,
0: I I mean, I generally never wear white because I know Mm. that I... I, I don't always spill food on myself. Like, I try really hard not to. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. that much of a slob. But I, I'm, i like, 100% more likely to do it if I'm wearing white.
1: Oh, absolutely. I remember once I wore an ill-advised, I mean, it was very pretty, white dress <laughs> to a barbecue event. And oh. later, when I was in the bathroom trying to get the barbecue off, I was like, why did I, in what <laughs> world did I think this was a good idea? Safe idea? And now I'm at a party and I have a Uh, barbecue stain and I have to live with this. And this is just
0: where I live now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. -hmm. Yeah. There is. Oh, I don't have. I don't have the I don't have the word in front of me, but there is a variety of mole called like the tablecloth stainer.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) For real. For real. It's you got to have a strategy, a method, a plan. Oh, yeah. Just be ready to. (laughs) get stains <laughs> on your shirt and that's it that's your mole shirt maybe yeah. um, <laughs> it is quite popular oh, there yeah. is a mole festival in Puebla Mexico
0: Um, And a uh, Mole de Mayo festival in the Pilsen neighborhood of Chicago. Since 2009, the area every year puts on a third of a mile, three-day celebration with music and merchants and performing arts, including dance and lucha libre and mole, perhaps obviously. They have awards for best mole and people's choice mole with a couple dozen chefs and restaurants participating. There's also a, a mole celebration or fest in in LA in October and a mole to die for contest in San Francisco in November.
1: <laughs> My stomach is so mad I'm not eating mole right now. <laughs> so mad at me. <laughs>
0: oh, I know. Oh no, yeah, no, the photo the, the photos, seriously the photos. Oh, so mm-hmm. angry. Um uh, there's also a festival in um, the greater Mexico City area every September, October, specifically in San Pedro Actopan, um, which is uh, in a rural region of the greater metro area. And this is the area that claims historically to have added almonds to the mole mix for the first time and calls itself the capital of mole. All right. Around 40 restaurants come together to provide food for the festival every year. And this this town produces 90% of Mexico City's mole and 60% of Mexico's mole at large. Um, Some 90% of the people who live there work in the mole trade, which which is just an impressive leap from like a few matriarchs who cooked the sauce and passed down their recipes and whose families... Ventured into town in the 40s and 50s, the 1940s and 50s, to start selling it.
1: It it really, really is, uh, and it's got kind of a it's got a long, interesting history that's complicated and nuanced in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, <laughs> much saying. much like Malay itself. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and we will get into that history after we get back from a quick break. Forward from our sponsors.
1: Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
4: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber get what you want without the complicated AT&T Fiber lives like a beginner available wherever you get your podcast limited availability in select areas
3: visit at and slash hyper for details this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global when you come back with a Purdue Global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect
2: And we're back. Thank you, sponsor.
1: Yes, thank you. So, yes, like many things we talk about on the show, mole has multiple origin stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, The word mole itself uh, could possibly give us some clues about its history, uh, because it most likely traces back to the Nahuatl word mole, or perhaps mui, which means sauce.
0: Or mix or concoction. I've seen it translated in a number of ways, um, including stirred or even foamy. Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Nahuatl itself is from the Uto-Aztecan family. And this language was spoken by the Aztecs, yes, but also other pre-Columbian indigenous peoples like the Mayans and the Olmecs, and is still spoken in some parts of Mexico. These indigenous cultures had a history of hand-ground sauces that certainly were foundational when it comes to mole. Uh, Another factor was the Arabic influence present in what is now Mexico during the 1500s or so, especially when it came to spices.
0: Yeah, some of those early Spanish missionary colonizers were Castilian, which is an area that has a lot of uh, Persian Muslim history. Uh, these these cultural influences coming from Northern Africa and further east. So that's where you see some of the spice blends and also
1: the nut based sauces coming in. right. And with colonization, there were also influences in terms of other recipes, ingredients, and cooking methods from Europe, Asia, and Africa just really coming together when it comes to mole.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a theory that the modern word mole was also influenced by the Spanish verb for grind, moler. And uh, each of the ingredients in any given local mole is its own story about the heritage of that place and those people, Um, like peanuts, just for example, which originally originated in South America, but came to Mexico mostly after the Portuguese took them to Africa. And then the Spanish and other Europeans brought them back to the Americas during colonization and through the Caribbean and uh, the, the, the slave trade. The dish really is a coming together of all of the cultural influences of the area. But right on this platform of the food technology of the locals, um, the masa, and the production and preparation of various chiles.
1: Hmm. So many episodes we could do offshoots of this. Oh one. goodness! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof! Uh, but let's get into those origin stories. Mm-hmm. Um, they are two popular ones. The first one credits nuns at a convent in Puebla, Mexico with creating mole. And the story goes that one day an archbishop stopped by somewhat unexpectedly (laughs) to this convent. And the nuns were trying to keep their cool, uh, you know, come up with something that they could feed this archbishop. But they had very few things on hand to offer their surprise guest. So they gathered the ingredients that they did have Chili peppers, some old bread, nuts and some spices, In some versions chocolate. Mm. Uh, And used it as a sauce for a freshly butchered turkey. Allegedly, it was such a hit with the archbishop that it spread from there. I feel like we have so many of these stories where it was nuns. Yeah. That's all they had. <laughs> yeah, they were like, ah, go, sure. Oh, it's delicious. Cool. Oh, great. <laughs> now it's a thing forever. <laughs> um, some versions of this story, which I find really interesting, get even more specific. Mm-hmm. According to Jim Payton's 1999 book, New Cooking from Old Mexico, a woman at a Dominican convent named Sor Andrea was tasked with making a meal for a visiting dignitary. So she prayed and was, quote, Guided to add nearly all the ingredients in the huge convent kitchen to a more ordinary stew.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. So that's a lot of fun headlines about it being like divine intervention. D- sure. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. Another version claims that it wasn't Sor Andrea who came up with the mole, but one of her indigenous assistants who had been spared by the Aztecs due to her cooking skills. The day the dignitary in question came in for a visit, Sor Andrea was feeling under the weather, so she directed her assistant to make a family recipe of Sor Andrea's. But instead, the assistant put her own spin on it, much to Sor Andrea's annoyance. She readied herself to give the assistant a talking down. (laughs) But the assistant silenced her with a spoon to her mouth and the taste was enough to shut down all of Sor Andrea's arguments, and she realized that this recipe beat out her own family recipe. Oh, I love yeah. this! I know that is that's a good recipe. If you can, <sighs> you. all right, that's better. Yeah, <laughs> that's better.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I and I also love this. Uh, this this Catholic versus Native uh, uh, spin mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, there, there is another version where it was a friar in Puebla who was preparing a banquet for a visiting Catholic dignitary. And um, this one's more on the divine intervention side, because apparently he had this tray of various spices sitting next to his cooking pot of, of simmering turkeys. And the wind, a holy wind, upended the whole tray into it. Oops, but but holy oops, delicious Oops.
1: Delicious. Oops. (laughs) Holy wind, I gotta say, sounds like some euphemism for a fart. (laughs) Um. (laughs) It does. You're not wrong. Thank you. Thanks for backing me up in my childish, childish humor. Anytime. Um, The second origin story claims that Montezuma offered the dish to Spanish conquistador Hernan Cortez after mistaking him for a god. Uh, So that would be around the 1500s. Uh huh other simpler tales say that mole was the result of accidental mixing of spices however when asked some modern day makers of mole argue there's no way that something as complex as mole was invented overnight mm mm-hmm. In the words of Maricel Persia in her book, Gran Cocina Latina, The Food of Latin America, Mole comes from, quote, a long line of parents such as the pre-Columbian Chile thickened sauces and thickened chocolate drinks. Look even closer at the nun's kitchen and you'll start to see the whole clan of ancestors using nuts as a thickener, for example, which was a keynote of Spanish medieval cooking. Well, I think that's interesting. That's an interesting point. Again, like so many of these things we talk about. You know things evolve, uh, so it's oh, hard yeah. to say like the original version of mole that we're describing versus what it is now. But it did evolve. And it, it did, did evolve, yeah. More complex, yeah. Right, and and right,
0: mm-hmm. especially with something that is
1: as varied as this mm-hmm. category of of dishes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, whatever the case, early accounts from the Spanish indicate that it was primarily a chili base sauce that was ground up, diluted with water, and added to protein. The first known recorded recipes didn't start popping up until the 1800s, shortly after the 1810 War of Independence. The
0: revolution that started a century later in 1910 ended uh a few decades after that, with an increased focus on soft power in Mexico, on uh, the cultural politics of things like food and dishes like mole as a source of national togetherness and pride, and through all of this, uh, with industrialization, mechanized mills developed over the course of the 18 and 1900s. Um, any kitchen might have contained, like a you know, a hand powered mortar and pestle. But a village, any given village, would have probably had a uh, larger central mill for masa or cocoa or mole or, you know, I guess, whatever else you wanted to bring. Uh, gas and then electricity made production easier and then made mass production more viable.
1: hmm Which, speaking of, in 1968, Air Days, the Mexican line of Hormel Foods, started marketing the jarred mole brand Doña María, uh, which... I found so many interesting articles about like defending the use of jarred malay and then others being like, never. Um, <laughs> so that's, yeah, it's
0: interesting. The like consensus that I, I I came to in my brain from a wide variety of sources around the internet was that, you know, like it's, it's a good starter. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, add your own stuff for your own spin on it and to make it taste a little bit fresher. But
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I like that.
0: But there's, like <laughs> there's no shame in a head start. Yeah. No,
1: no, 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 no. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's what we have to say about mole for now. We definitely talked before about sort of the adoption and evolution of uh, food from Mexico in the United States. And that was around that time, like when this was coming, hitting uh, grocery shelves in the U.S., was when people were like, hmm. "In the United States, we're like, wait a minute, mole! I want this." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I want it too.
0: I'm, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I, if it were not today, Cinco de Mayo, uh, which is a day that I find um, overwhelming, mm-hmm. in an, an overwhelming day to be out and about in restaurants, um, I would go right now. But I'm, yeah, I'm going to wait just a little bit on that one. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's probably wise. I tried to get reservations at a place the other day and they were like, no, reservations (laughs) that day. Uh, All right. That's fair. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. (laughs) I will wait as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, hopefully we can get our hands on some soon. But in the meantime, we do have some listener mail for you.
0: Oh, we do. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsors.
1: Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
4: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber. Live like a biggie Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit slash hypergig for details.
3: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect.
2: Play.
1: and we're back. Thank you, sponsors.
2: Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener.
1: <laughs> listener. Oh. oh like I a love a the hug. description you wrote of it. That was it oh. was really good. <laughs> 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 now I want it even more. <laughs> <laughs> yes that is my plan <laughs> <laughs> to get me to get <laughs> yes, i'm you, on board with this plan it's a yes. very
0: specific plan but i mean you know as plans go and seems like you're into it so yeah. i'm
1: i am i'm, I'm <laughs> definitely on board with this all right <laughs> um big yogi wrote i was recently listening to your mozzarella episode and loved it At one point in the episode, you guys did a call-out for unusual pizza toppings. Not only do I make pizzas with unusual toppings, but I also make unusual pizza crust that Mm -hmm. always include mozzarella in the recipes. I have found that my body does not like grains at all, as consuming any type of grain creates a lot of inflammation and a variety of autoimmune issues for me. But I do love things like sandwiches, pizza, and other bread things, so I make grain-free substitutes for bread things. Mozzarella happens to not only be a cheese I love, but also a utilitarian cheese I use to make a lot of keto foods, such as chaffles. Chaffles? I don't know how to say it, but I know what you mean. Waffles. Cheese waffles. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Uh Yes. Um. Continuing, pizza crust and other bread substitutes. This stringy texture and high protein level works very well as a binder and helps provide structure and texture for bread-like recipes, and the fat content of full-fat mozzarella helps create a crispy, crusty outer texture. Mm. I like to occasionally make pizzas in the cab of my semi truck, and I make my own keto pizza dough in a variety of different ways. And mozzarella always is a component in each recipe. Sometimes I make a fathead style dough that uses cauliflower. Shout out to the classic cauliflower episode, which is our second episode we ever did, by the way. Hoof, yeah. Hoof, yep. Eggs and mozzarella. There are carnivore pizza crusts made with some type of ground meat, like chicken, beef, or pork. Mozzarella and eggs. One of my favorite recipes for pizza crust uses ground-up pork rinds, eggs, and, of course, mozzarella. Huh. Huh. The pork rind crust is the most bread-like recipe I utilize. The crust ends up being crispy and crusty, while the inside of the crust is fluffy and soft like bread. After years of contact sports and other abuses to my body, my joints have suffered. The collagen in pork rinds is great for joint health, as well as skin and digestive health. I get pork rinds from companies that use naturally pasture-raised pork and do not use seed oils or shortening for cooking. As far as toppings go, my pizzas often utilize leftovers from my weekly meal prep. Working as a trucker, my hours can be pretty intense, so I often don't have time to prep and cook during the week, and I really don't have any good healthy restaurant options as many of the truck stops only offer junk foods from the C-Store or fast food's So I usually spend part of my 34-hour reset break to meal prep for the next 7 to 8 days. Meal prep usually includes some sort of slow-cooked meat like roast, shredded meats like pulled chicken or pork, or a big batch of some sort of soup or stew. By the fifth day or so, I can start getting tired of eating the (laughs) same thing. Mm -hmm. So I start getting creative with the leftovers, turning them into things like quiche, frittatas, or omelets. I've made pot pies from leftover stews, and sometimes I make pizzas. I worked during Thanksgiving, so I could not have Thanksgiving dinner with my loved ones. So I made my own Thanksgiving meal on my truck. I used my leftovers to make a Thanksgiving pizza. (laughs) Mm. I was able to make my stuffing into a pizza crust, used homemade truck-made cranberry sauce as a sauce (laughs) topping, Uh, used some goat cheese mixed with mozzarella as the cheese topping, and roasted turkey as the meat topping. I've used shredded meats to make barbecue or Mexican-inspired pizzas. I made a salmon pizza with a creamy lemon dill sauce, cauliflower crust, and Havarti cheese. I've turned tons of different leftovers into some sort of unusual pizza. Most recently, I made a breakfast bacon and brie pizza on a cauliflower crust. The sauce was actually a tomato bacon jam that I made on the truck, and it had an egg baked on top. I also made a chili dog pizza from a big batch of dark chocolate chile mole. Oh! Yeah. I made it on a pork rind crust and used smoked mozzarella cheese and I cured beef hot dogs I got from a local farmer on one of my roots and some chopped up green onion. I'm attaching a couple of pics of the most recent pizzas and as always, everything was made in the cab of my (sighs) semi-truck.
0: That is all so wild
1: and I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Yes. The picture's Mouth watering, yes so good and it all sounds amazing <laughs> and i love leftover creativity that's oh yeah absolutely absolutely oh all of it i want <laughs>
0: oh goodness yeah no and i've i had never heard of using but that's so smart using uh like a pork rind kind of thing mm-hmm. as a breadcrumb kind of thing yeah Like, that makes total structural integrity sense. That's great.
1: (laughs) You're so correct, but I love that that's the way you went. Um, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Like, also delicious.
0: uh, But, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Huh. Oh, that's so Mm
1: -hmm. cool. Yes.
0: Mm. Uh, Michelle wrote, at the end of the Spoon episode, you mentioned branded games. I personally played Burger King for the PlayStation, uh, the Spot 7-Up Genesis, and the Chester Cheetah Cheetos game for Sega Genesis. Um, I've heard of the Pepsi Man game. I believe there was also a McDonald's game, too. There were some promo discs uh, that that had a playable preview level of a Tomb Raider game from Pizza Hut. I wonder if there were more that passed me by.
1: I think there were. I think there's a Chex Life one.
0: Oh my goodness. Um, uh,
1: John Oliver just did a whole piece on this. Uh, there were a couple. I also remember Pizza Hut hand, like a jukebox type of situation. Okay. And you could get demos from the PlayStation, if I'm remembering correctly, the first PlayStation. And I played, like, the first 10 minutes of so many games over and over. Like, (laughs) Ghost in the Machine, the Raka, like, (laughs) the Star Wars dueling lightsaber game. Ooh, Crash Bandicoot. Uh, It was great. As a kid, it was so exciting. You got pizza, and then you got this demo game. (laughs) (laughs) Go play.
0: (laughs) Ooh. Oh, ah, demo games. I to be fair, I haven't really owned uh, mo- like my most modern console is the PS2. If that's you know, if Whoa. if you want to place mm-hmm. me in the continuum, um, but but yeah, game demos used to be such a big part of my life, yes. and
1: huh, something
0: I hadn't mm. thought about in a long time.
1: I I still have my old PlayStation games. I'm gonna see if I still have these demos. <laughs> Let's yeah. See.
0: Ooh. Oh, my so goodness. Fun. Oh, we should totally. I mean, not to step on John Oliver's toes. Uh, but <laughs> oh, No, should.
1: I would love to do that.
0: <laughs> that would be a great time. To- stepping on his toes or doing this topic or both? Both.
1: <laughs> okay. both. Uh, and also cool. our super producers, I feel confident in saying, would also very much enjoy that. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we could get them to do such good sound effects for it. Okay.
1: Yes. All right. Yes. Making plans. <laughs> yes. Well, in the meantime, thanks to both of these listeners for writing to us. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com.
0: We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Savor is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to those super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies.
3: Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.